Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Hardcore Finance Show. Today, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the Biden tax increase, the proposed increase to the uh, individual capital gains. This has been widely pushed in the media and something that's been talked about a lot. And I feel very passionately about this one because I think, you know, to skip ahead a little bit, it's a disastrous policy, a completely disastrous policy. And there are a lot of notions about, you know, making sure the wealthy pay their, their fair share, about um, do we need to increase taxes in order to pay for some of the government spend that Biden wants to do. And this one in particular is just so misunderstood. And there's so many talking points by both the left and the right that completely uh, they completely miss the, the point of what capital gains are. And so uh, I actually wrote an outline for this one because there's there's a lot to, to hit here. But I want to take everyone through what capital gains are, why they're important, what was the point of lowering capital gains taxes, and why this isn't just tax the rich to make sure that they're paying their fair share. What this is, is actually going to be a disastrous policy for American entrepreneurship. And uh, let me explain to you why. But before we start, got my new uh, Hardcore Finance show mug, uh, my new Yeti, and um, sipping my coffee. It's now uh, late in the evening. So why don't we, why don't we get started? So I want to walk through uh, seven or eight points here, actually uh, eight points. So first I want to walk through what are capital gains? You know, why, why is there such a distinct difference between uh, with capital gains? And then I really want to dive in capital versus income. And what's a, the tax policy between taxing income versus taxing capital gains? Then we should go into entrepreneurship, my thesis here, and why this is going to curtail American entrepreneurship in a major way, which is going to be horrible. And then we'll pivot to wealth and spending power. You know, money and wealth are very, very different. They're used interchangeably, but they're very, very different terms. And finally, we'll go into what's happening now in the macro environment, inflation, leverage, uh, and what leverage is, and why this is so dangerous, trading frequency. And finally, we'll talk about government spending. So without further ado, let's jump in. First of all, let's understand what capital gains are. Capital gains and taxes and capital gains are taxes against your capital. Capital is not just stocks. In the old terminology, capital is literally machines that factories would have capital uh, in order to produce any kind of good. <clears throat> so when we think about capital today, one of the biggest, uh, well, obviously, areas is stocks, but one of the other biggest areas that people don't necessarily talk about or consider capital or overlook is real estate. And we'll talk about residential real estate as and how it how it's affected here and the disaster that this policy will bring to residential real estate. But in general, there are short-term capital gains, <clears throat> excuse me, and long-term capital gains. Short-term are something that you've held and traded under a year, a long-term longer than a year. And so we've had many administrations now, uh, I believe Clinton did this as well, where we've been lowering low, uh, capital gains taxes in general and lowering uh, um long-term capital gains. Bush, uh, Bush the second, George W. famously cut the capital gains in to 15%. Obama raised it back to 20. Uh, but why, why is this important? This is important because it encourages long-term investment into companies, long-term investment into capital goods, long-term investment 
into real estate okay long-term investment into wealth and we'll touch upon what wealth is uh, and how it's different than capital gains <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit now that we've got a sense of what capital is let's talk about capital versus income now outside of corporations the government can tax two different things and i want to just uh, you know this is fairly high level please uh leave comments and and so on if you want to go deeper but government can tax income okay or wealth and if you think about this from a perspective of pulling yourself out and not just thinking oh we need to get tax revenue somewhere income and wealth have very fundamentally different uh second and third order effects on the economy when you tax income you're lowering the velocity of spend okay so if i make a hundred thousand dollars per year in my job and i get taxed on income i only take on seventy thousand those seventy thousand are disposable to me to spend on goods on services on whatever it is in the economy why is that so beneficial for the government because the government also has to go out and spend money on similar goods and services so when you tax income you're lowering the money available to be spent on those goods and services thus decreasing the prices of those goods and services for the government if you tax wealth wealth is things you have in your estate things you have in your real estate things you have in the stocks uh and bonds and and um just the, the the various financial markets out there when you tax wealth you're no longer taking velocity out of the system you're no longer taking spending power out of the system and what you're actually going to do in the long run what the government is actually going to do is it's going to increase the price pressure for the same goods and services that it itself is going out to get so over time the same thing that costs a hundred billion for the government to do let's say higher you know free democrats are pushing free child care okay well someone has to pay for these for for uh caregivers right you can have a private family going out and getting a nanny for example or you can have the government provide free uh child care if you tax income my income for my hundred thousand dollars that i made per year and i only get to keep 70 only a portion of that 70 goes to a nanny or a babysitter in this case in this example if i get to keep more or more taxes come out of my wealth and less from my spendable income i can let's say spend eighty thousand now for that nanny or i have an eighty thousand dollar pool so i can spend more for that nanny or child giver that's now competing with the government going for the same services so they're shooting themselves in the foot by doing a very very short term um tax raise but actually in the long run creating more inflation they're inflating their own prices so they'll have to raise taxes again or print more money and it becomes a vicious cycle over time on a macroeconomic scale this is a hundred percent this is a hundred percent how it works it's a hundred percent factual and this is the 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 second or third order effect that the government is not considering by shifting uh, tax to uh to wealth so let's come back to this example about creating inflation for for its own goods and let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship this whole country the beauty of america is that it's a free and open market and you can yeah, anybody can come create their own business entrepreneurship blossoms in the us so let's think about how an entrepreneur for those people who have never started their own business let's think a little bit about how an entrepreneur uh how that works for an entrepreneur you create some sort of an idea in a business and you put sweat equity often or a lower salary for years until you see a massive payout 
So there was a great example by someone on Twitter a few days ago, but basically you can take a Google engineer that's making $400,000 a year for 10 years versus someone that's starting their own business and has $100,000 per year for nine years and then a $4 million payout because they've sold their business. So they're working hard, working hard, working hard, working hard, working hard, and then boom, they made it. You sold your business, okay? Now forget Google, this happens all the time in mom and pop shops. Think about the underprivileged, the blue collar workers that the Democrats are actually trying to help. Think about small, medium businesses that are the driving force, the, the bloodline of American, of American society and American, the American economy. You work at a restaurant for your whole entire life. And right before retirement, you're about to have a payout. You sell this restaurant to someone and someone pays you $3 million. That's a long-term capital gain. And you're now going to get taxed at 43% because it's over a million dollars in that one year. And by the way, if you live in a high income and a high tax state like California, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, in the DC area, you're going to get hit with more than 50% tax on that one exit event. So this is not just some you know fat cat or Scrooge McDuck swimming in money, making millions you know, per year that we're going to go tax. Most of these people, and I'll uh, post a link to a uh, uh, CNBC video about this. Most of the people are one, the, these things called one-hit wonders. They're people who've worked their entire lives at a reduced salary, going paycheck to paycheck, waiting for their one liquidation retirement event, who are going to get hit at 56% in some states. 56% tax on your one retirement liquidation event. So we're trying to save people. We're trying to encourage entrepreneurship. We're trying to encourage risk-taking. We're trying to encourage innovation. And then we're taxing these people at more than 56%, that 439 or 0.8% that Biden is uh, introducing plus state taxes. It's complete ludicrousy complete ludicrousy because no one, it will completely discourage people from going out and trying to, trying to do it. And there are, you know, voices from the left saying, oh, well, Apple and Microsoft were formed in the seventies when taxes were super high. Yeah. A couple of companies could have been formed and succeeded despite this, but outside of these brand marquee names, the long tail of small and medium businesses that are gaining liquid or, or getting this liquidation event in order to go into retirement. Think about it. Half of your retirement earnings that used to be 20% you know, taxed are going to be taxed at half, if not more. All of that money is gone. What are you going to retire on? Right? What did you spend your life building in order what? For the government to come and take it all away from you at the very last moment? It's just insanity. So it's going to kill the entrepreneurship spirit. And this, by the way, is exactly why Clinton, Bush, and others have been lowering capital gains taxes. Because with entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial companies, you're, you're incentivized to take a risk, to take low salary, to live in, in, in a garage, to you know, sweat it out, to work your butt off, to grind it out in order to make that one liquidation event. Most of the people that are going to get hit, these million dollar uh, per year people, are not Again, these recurring rich that we all seem to want to demonize. They're one-hit wonders. They're, you know, Joe and Sally Smith who built their pizza shop and want to about to go into retirement. And we're about to destroy, destroy their dreams. 
Then let's move on to uh, wealth versus spending power, okay? And we always talk about, it, it's very nice to talk about, hey, well, we want to make sure the rich pay their fair share, and we want to make sure that we help the poor and there's equity. Of course, it's good to have equity. Of course, it's great to, to be able to support uh, the people that have been left behind by the Great Recession, you know, by, um, by globalization. But what does it mean to support them, right? Let me ask you a, a hypothetical question. Would you want to be paid $30 an hour or $5 an hour? Stupid question, right? Everyone would say $30 an hour. Of course, you're going to get paid more. Your income is going to be higher. But I would argue that's not the right answer. The right answer is in context of what can that dollar buy you? If $30 an hour can get you half of a meal in a restaurant, but in a different world, $5 an hour can get you two meals for a whole family at a restaurant, well, I'd much rather take $5 per hour, but where my spending power is higher, okay? So what we've been doing recently, especially because of COVID with, with um, the stimulus plans, we've been pumping and printing money into, into the system. We printed, you know, Biden just printed 1.9 million with the COVID relief. We pr printed around $7 trillion, excuse me, 1.9 trillion, not 1.9 million. We've printed about $7 trillion over the last year and a half, printed. And people are saying, yeah, well, there's no inflation. There's no CPI inflation. That's baloney because inflation is coming into commodities. Everything is up. Look at lumber. Look at what's happening with home prices. Try to tell a family, okay, that's been trying to, a millennial or a, a family that's saying, you know what, finally, finally, we've saved up enough to stop renting and buying our first home right now. When home prices have gone up about 20% uh, a year over year nationally, 20% in one year. Why? Inflation. This inflation, all this money that we're printing is going to capital goods, the stock market, the real estate market, commodities, right? Bitcoin and crypto in the same way. People are trying to desperately find a place where they can store their wealth and preserve wealth because the dollar is getting debased which means that it's losing its spending power over and over and over. So this whole fight about minimum wage, I know it's a bit of a tangent, but it's all very related. The minimum wage doesn't need to go up to $15 an hour if we can provide the spending power for a lower, minimum, uh, for lower uh, hourly wage. The point is not to give people more money. The point is to give people the ability to go farther with their money. The point is to give the poor and underprivileged, okay, a, a, an ability to build a better life, not to give them more money dropped from a helicopter. And what this is going to do, by the way, let me go into, I touched upon inflation. Now, let me go into point number five. This is a bit meta. So, you know, work with me here. But this is how this whole tax increase that's supposed to help the poor is going to destroy, destroy the poor and create a divide between the 99% and the 1%. The divide is going to get farther and farther and farther because here's what's going to happen. Rich people, truly recurring rich people, do not live off of salary. You know what they do and why most of their uh, salaries come from capital gains? They either invest their money into wealth producing assets and or they borrow against the portfolios. You borrow against your portfolio. What does that mean? Here's a great example. Think about buying a house. 
you put down 10%, 20%, and then you leverage, you borrow the, the other 80, and now you have a house. How many of us have home equity loans? How many of us have home lines of credit? You open up a line of credit against the equity in your house, right? The wealthy do the exact same thing against stocks, against real estate, against the commodity portfolios. They take out these lines of credit. And as long as the interest payment on the line of credit per year is lower than the growth rate of their portfolio, it's tax-free money perpetually, perpetually, okay? So everything in the market is a, is a function of supply and demand. Let's look at buying a house. Let's go back to that poor family or uh, the family that's finally has saved enough in order to buy their first home. They're looking to get a house. Let's look around the nation what's happening now. We're at a low, a complete extreme shortage of new properties, of homes. So there's a lot of money chasing very little inventory. The prices are going up. Now you're going to tell wealthy investors that instead of 20% tax on your house that you're going to sell, you're going to get taxed 45, maybe 55%. Do you think they're going to sell their house or will they keep and rent it out? They're going to keep and rent it, rent it out, which means that the inventory will shrink even more which means for the, for the houses on the market, the demand will be even higher for a smaller amount of homes, which means that the home prices are going to go up. And that home that was available to people before is going to get further and further away. By the way, same thing with stocks. People will it sell a lot when this thing happens, when, when this thing happens to capture the old tax rate and then stop. There'll be a group of people that will just hold on to the portfolios and another group of people that would trade very, very frequently, which does two very adverse effects. Holding on to your portfolios, again, getting into stocks, stocks, stock prices over time will increase. Okay, good value dividend paying stocks will increase because you're getting dividends from those stocks. That's your livable income. Okay, fine. You get taxed on that. You borrow against your portfolio that's going up. Fantastic. That's one group of the wealthy that they're going to do. The other one, you'll just trade very frequently. And so the market will have ups and downs. The third unintended consequence is that when you borrow against your, uh, when you're incentivized to borrow versus sell your capital assets, you're increasing leverage into the system. What does that mean? You're again borrowing more and more against your portfolios. And that's all fine and dandy as long as your loan to value ratio is low. So for example, if I have $100,000 in stocks and I borrow 10,000, my loan to value ratio is 10%. Now, if I don't want to sell anymore because I'm going to get taxed up the wazoo if I sell, I'll borrow 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. Still okay, 40% of my portfolio, 50,000. And what happens if there's a one-time black swan event like 2008 and there's a crash? I'm going to get liquidated. And so will everyone else that's on, that's in the market. The amount of liquidations are going to be much higher, which means that if people borrow more, increase more leverage into the system, they're taking money out in order to put back in somewhere that increases inflation in the overall system, the more money is flowing out there. Borrowing re reduces the resilience of the system in case there's a one-time uh, you know, black swan or liquidation event. Some people go crazy. They borrow 90% of their portfolio, which is just you know, insane. Your portfolio goes down by 10%. Everything is liquidated. The broker takes all of your stocks. So you're incentivizing risky behavior, either through high, higher frequency trading or more borrowing against your portfolio, 
which just incentivize, just creates more and more risk in the system that's already very fragile. If people, if the, the current system with the amount of money we printed is extremely, extremely fragile. So what are we doing? We're killing entrepreneurship, okay? We're disincentivizing entrepreneurship. We're disproportionately taxing the small, medium businesses that have, again, worked their whole life in order to have one liquidation event, and now they're going to get half of that taken out. We're increasing more leverage into the system. We're taxing the wrong, the wrong pot of money, not income, that reduces prices for, for the government to go out um, and you know, compete for goods and services. We're taxing wealth, which doesn't do anything to the competition of prices, right? So the government's prices are going to go up and up over time, especially as the other factors that I told you about leverage and inflation come back into the system. And so what's going to happen in the long run, it will seem like we have more money to spend in childcare and others you know, for, for the underprivileged, but really we are completely screwing the lower classes, not the upper classes, the rich are not going to really feel it that much because they'll get creative about how they're going to go about and borrow against portfolios and so on. The lower classes, their spending power, their spending power is going to decrease. So even if they have more money, that money is going to go less. It's going to go, it, it, it won't go as far as it would have gone before. And this to me is just complete, you know, ludicrousy for a person that wants the underprivileged to be able to, uh, uh, to afford more for a person that wants to fight for equality. I think all of us ultimately do this democratic plan sounds great in a sound quip. Oh, tax the rich, you know, let the rich pay their fair share, but actually introduces behind the scenes, such terrible, terrible, terrible disincentives into the system that are going to screw the poor. And then people are going to come out and say, well, the 1% the is even more rich. Look at what's happening to their, you know, portfolios are going up. Yeah, no shit, their portfolios are going up because we just introduced a policy that's con conducive of that. Oh, look at that. They're, you know, they own more real estate than ever. And it's harder than ever for millennials and Gen Zs to get into a house. Yeah, because we just created a policy that directly disincentivizes sales and takes inventory out of the market. It's just crazy. And then let's zoom out on a completely macro, macro level. No one's saying that it's bad I have two kids. No one's, I would love to have free uh, childcare, to have had free childcare. It's costing me an arm and a leg to have a nanny and to put my kids to school. But should the government decide, should the government just, you know, take from whomever they want in order to keep on spending on these multi-trillion dollar plans with the adverse effect of actually reducing spending power. And oh, by the way, the cherry on top is the tax foundation found that this will create $123 billion of lower tax revenue over 10 years than higher. So we're going to do all of this. We're going to introduce risk into the system. We're going to decrease the spending power of the lower classes. We're going to disincentivize entrepreneurship. We're going to punish the people who worked their whole lives one uh, a liquidation event, okay, all to raise less tax revenue in the long run? What, to appease some sort of, you know, left talking point? Let's solve real problems here. Let's be smarter as an electorate. Let's push back on disastrous, disastrous policies that are going to just 
kill spending power and create a bigger and bigger rift between the one and the 99%. Let us actually help people. This is not going to work by increasing capital gains on, the, on this million dollar plus income or the ultra rich. What a disastrous policy. What a completely disastrous policy with terrible, terrible, terrible unintended consequences. So write your senators. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research. I hope this opens up your eyes in terms of what's going to actually happen behind the scenes and what unintended consequences this will bring. But, you know, I just... Um, I really, I really hope it doesn't pass. Or if it passes, then it's a marginal increase and not anything. Uh, I hope it's maybe stupidly is opening negotiating position and it goes maybe from 20 to 25 max. And even then, you know, what we should be doing is cutting corporate taxes and cutting capital gains taxes altogether in order to increase, you know, velocity in order to in incentivize people everyone underprivileged as well to go into the markets to go into real estate but if, for the over the long term again i'm talking about long-term capital gains not short-term capital gains their taxes income there will always be taxes income long-term capital gains taxes so you know next time you're out there looking for a house just think about how what, what would happen if there are less homes out there next time you're out there you know thinking about building wealth or how far your dollar and what it can pay just think about what this policy will do write your senators write your congress uh, uh write your representatives uh write us this is uh alex mr ibida and until the next time guys leave us feedback please uh, rate our show and hopefully this gives you another perspective uh, on, on the tax policy that's being pushed thank you